But one day I recorded, well, my Apple Watch recorded 43 flights of stairs climbed in one day. That was a lot. Usually on a ship, I usually get 12 to 15 flights of stairs a day, but that one day was 43 flights of stairs. So it's sort of shocked. I didn't realize that happened. Hi, and welcome to the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast. I'm Tom, and I'll be your host as I share what I'm doing in my daily life to solve my type 2 diabetes. Listen in as I share the food, movement, and tools that I'm using each day. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. For a full transcript or to follow the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast on social media, please head over to SolvingType2Diabetes.com for all those links and more. Now, on to the show. I hope you are having a great week this week. I know I'm having a cruise life week myself this week. Before I get too far into this episode, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you take a minute and share this podcast? I certainly appreciate the fact that you are listening and that you likely have subscribed to the podcast, but I want to ask you if you might share this with someone who you know who might also benefit, perhaps someone who has type 2 diabetes or maybe has been diagnosed with prediabetes, or someone who finds this type of material interesting even if they do not themselves have type 2 diabetes. So if you would, take a moment, share the podcast. You could send them a link. You could send them my website address, solvingtype2diabetes.com. Or maybe right inside your podcast player, there's a share button that you could use. Anyway, I would appreciate it greatly. I certainly enjoy doing this, and I'm glad that you are here with me each week. So for my week this week, I have spent the entire week on board Royal Caribbean's Enchantment of the Seeds. Now, this is a 12-night sailing. We left out of Baltimore, and we are down in the Southern Caribbean right now. And it's very warm down here. It's beautiful weather. Back at home, it's in the low 40s. And here, it's been pretty much right at around 80 degrees every day. We had three days at sea during which I did record the last episode. So this is my second recording on this cruise. And uh, for the five days on the islands, uh, we first visited St. Croix, which is part of the U.S. Virgin Islands. Then we stopped at Phillipsburg St. Martin. We visited St. John's in Antigua. And today we're actually in Barbados. We docked in Bridgetown in Barbados. And when my wife and I were here last month, we went on a really nice excursion and saw the local countryside and visited a few different places in Barbados. I'm familiar with this place not too much, to tell you the truth. This is, I think, only the second, maybe the third time that I've been here in Barbados. And then tomorrow we go to St. Kitts. Now, I first went to St. Kitts when I was on a seven-night scuba diving liveaboard on a boat for seven days, scuba diving every day. And one of the days we went scuba diving, we were in St. Kitts area and we actually docked in St. Kitts for the evening. 
and so I was able to go on shore a little bit. We'll be there tomorrow. So This week also, I started my new CGM. I had been using the original Freestyle Libre 14-day sensor, but this week I started using my Libre 3, the Freestyle Libre 3. So this is the third generation of CGM that Abbott put out under the Freestyle Libre brand. And I had some complaints initially. I was concerned. If you listen to my Instagram reel, I talked about that last week. But after about four hours, I had to give it some time for the sensor to settle down and I guess for me to settle down as well. But after about four hours, it started reading fine. I had put it on about one day early so I could keep my old sensor on at the same time. And since they use two different apps on the iPhone to measure the sensor readings, I was able to read both of them throughout the day. And after about four hours, the two CGMs lined up with each other. So I was okay with that. However, I have to say this new app is really different from what I was used to with the NutriSense app. This new app is actually put out by Abbott itself. It's not a third-party app. I cannot find any third-party apps on the iPhone that work with this new Libre 3 sensor. So I'm stuck with the app that comes with the manufacturer here from Abbott for the Libre 3. And my biggest complaint is there's no um, depth, no complexity in the data that the app displays. That's one thing that the NutriSense app did, I think, really well, because it was mostly for, I'm going to say, biohackers, people who maybe did not have diabetes, but use it just to track their nutrition intake and see what their nutrition does and their movement does to their blood sugar readings. Now, that's one reason folks get it with NutriSense is maybe they didn't have a diagnosis of diabetes. Now, I switched. I started getting it now through my doctor because, of course, I do have a diabetes diagnosis. That NutriSense app, unfortunately, only works with the original Freestyle Libre sensor that I had gotten through them. It does not work at all with this Libre 3 sensor. So, like I said, I was forced to use this new app along with a new sensor. So, I'm missing some of that great data that I used to have. And if you follow me on my stories on Instagram or Facebook, you'll see that the graph that I post every morning of my CGM readings is really different. It is a line graph, squiggly going up and down, and it's on a grid. It's, you can tell what the readings are, but it doesn't give me the average for the 24 hours. It doesn't give me a standard deviations, the high, the low, things like that, which I honestly miss. That's a trade-off. I'm now saving $125 a month compared to what I was paying to NutriSense. I only pay a $75 copay each month now with my health insurance instead of $199 a month to NutriSense. So for that $125 a month savings, I guess I, I have to live with the data that it gives me. Now, it is better. The Abbott for Libre 3 is better in that it auto-scans via Bluetooth every single minute, actually. And as long as my sensor is within, let's say, 30 feet of my phone, depending on obstacles, but generally speaking, if it's within 30 feet of the phone, and even if it's out of range for a little bit, it still will catch up, and I don't have to take a physical step opening the app, holding my phone to the sensor, scanning, 
which you do with a NutriSense app. You have to take that physical step of, because it uses a different sensor, it doesn't use Bluetooth, it uses NFC, Near Field Communications, I think that stands for. And it's the same thing when you tap your credit card at a store or you tap your Apple phone at a store to pay for that must be within just a couple of inches. But the Bluetooth works up to 30 feet away and it does it automatically. So even if I don't look at the app for 10, 12, 15, 24 hours, my readings will all be there as long as the phone was within 30 feet of my sensor. It also, this new app, also does not require an internet connection. That was a major downside of the old NutriSense app in that to scan and to read and to store your sensor readings, you had to have an active internet connection. If you were not on the internet, a Wi-Fi or cellular, if you were not on the internet, you could not take a reading off your sensor. So I found that out when I was first on a cruise. In fact, that's why lately I've been getting Wi-Fi on every cruise trip I've been taking is so my NutriSense app would work and also so my, my FitnessPal app would work as well. So two good things about this Abbott app is that it does scan automatically via Bluetooth and it does not require an internet connection to work. And again, the downside is the data isn't quite there. Another downside I've discovered now with this Abbott, and I think it's because it's made primarily for people with type 1 diabetes, and I think they had to comply with some regulatory rule to get approval, is that if I get a reading below 54, but once in a while, you know, my blood sugar does drop down just below 54. It's actually below 55. If it hits 54 or lower. This will cause an alarm to be sounded, and it cannot be prevented. You cannot turn this alarm off and also use the app. So if you want to use the app, this alarm has to be turned on. There's no way to change the number that it turns on. It's If you go below 55... Even if it's just for a minute or two, that alarm will sound. Now, I think that's to prevent people with type 1 diabetes. Maybe they took too much insulin, didn't eat enough, and their blood sugar might be headed very low. But for what I find that happens is if I'm laying on it in bed, I'm a side sleeper. And if I lay on my sensor, sometimes that'll cause the reading to go erroneously low. It's not really that low, but somehow the pressure on the sensor causes it to read lower than it normally would. And I have read that on Pinterest and different places on the internet where people read it. Yeah, I think it's Reddit. People talk about problems with these sensors, and one of them is if you lay on it, it'll cause the readings to read lower than they actually are. So the other night, I was woken. It was at like 12.30 in the morning. I was awoken by this alarm going off my phone. So that is a downside. Okay, enough of that. Let's look at my numbers this week. For my numbers this week, I was able to close my rings seven out of seven days. It looks like this week's going to be the same way coming up. Find it no problem at all. While I'm on a cruise ship, I have plenty of time. There's not errands to run or anything. So I have no problem at all getting in nice long walks and lots of stairs. So if I'm on board the ship, take the stairs, 
whenever I can. And sometimes I've taken six, seven flights of stairs just to get something, knowing that it'll help my movement and close my rings. But one day I recorded, my Apple Watch recorded, 43 flights of stairs climbed in one day. That was a lot. Usually on a ship, I usually get 12 to 15 flights of stairs a day, but that one day was 43 flights of stairs. It was a shock. I didn't realize that happened. Also, when I get out on the island, I like to take a long walk, especially when I'm cruising by myself like I am this week. I go down into the local port town, wherever we have docked, and just walk up and down the streets or along the beach, whatever's convenient. I'll do that, get in three or four miles. And for some of these islands, I have a favorite walk, and I actually on one of them, it's, where is it? Two of them. One is St. Croix and one is St. Martin. I actually have little stores I like to stop in. The one in St. Martin, I pick up a Diet Mountain Dew. They don't sell those products here on the cruise ship, so I pick up a Diet Mountain Dew and enjoy. And then the other one in St. Croix, I actually stop at a little corner grocery store and get some water. The water there is 50 cents for a bottle of water, so I can't beat that. My seven-day glucose reading. Now, again, I do have this new app. I do have this new sensor. So they use something called a GMI. Instead of an A1C, they use a GMI reading. It's called Glucose Management Indicator. And evidently, people were getting confused or upset when they try and calculate their average glucose reading and turn it into an A1C like they would get from their doctor's office. And I've always done this. I didn't know any better. And I'm going to link here to an article. This will be um, on the show notes, but it's from the American Diabetes Association explaining why they started using the term glucose management indicator, how they come up with it, what it means. But basically, I got a GMI reading of 5.2. And they said that's ballpark about what your A1C would be expected to be with the readings that are coming off your sensor. So from now on, I'm going to be reporting my seven-day GMI. And if you want, you can say that roughly correlates to A1C. So my seven-day GMI from this sensor is showing 5.2, and that is below pre-diabetes range. The pre-diabetes range starts at 5.7, so 5.2 GMI, totally happy with that. So look at that article that I'll link in the show notes about the glucose management indicator term and how they're using that now to estimate the A1C from a continuous glucose monitor. That's from the American Diabetes Association. For my body fat percentage, now I have not stepped on a scale. It's now been about 10 days since I've been on a scale. But the last time, and I reported this last week, it was 22.0. So I imagine that's no higher than it was 10 days ago. Maybe it's a hair less. We'll see when I get back on land next week. My macros, if you remember last week, I had mentioned that I'm going to be eating a little bit more trying to slow this weight loss a little bit. So I bumped up my target to 80 grams per day, and I bumped up my protein target to 150 grams per day. And this week, I did average 78 grams of carbohydrates, so right at my target, and did average 147 grams of protein. Now, that is mostly due to the fact that I'm supplementing because, of course, with this Manjaro, I'm not really that hungry. Okay, so for my Manjaro update, I did take injection number five at the 7.5 milligram dose. I did wait 10 days to take that. I just, again, 
didn't need to be losing this much weight. My blood sugar was under extremely good control, borderline low. So I thought, let me wait for 10 days. And this is after taking it for 13 total weeks. And so far, as I reported, my blood sugar is still good. My hunger is still very low. So I didn't see any problem at all waiting 10 days. So the current plan is to wait 10 days again because it's now six days since I took it and I don't still have the slightest bit of hunger and my A1C is under great control. So I'm going to think I'm going to wait 10 days to take it again. So that'll be about four days from now. I'll be taking my sixth dose at 7.5 milligrams and I'll keep you posted as to what's going on. For my challenge and win this week, it's got to be supplementing protein. I'm on this cruise ship and I did pack a carry-on travel size bag full of protein shakes. I've got Quest Lemon Cake Protein Bars, which are my current favorite. And the shakes have 30 grams of protein for 160 calories total. The bars have 20 grams of protein for 190 calories total. I also got Quest peanut butter cups. Now those only have 10 grams of protein, but they only have one gram of sugar, so it's still a good trade-off, and they come in right at 200 calories. So I have been supplementing those because those are protein-dense, and they're easy for me to eat even when I'm not hungry. I also have been eating real food, of course, and I've been enjoying that. We're going to talk about that more here and when we get to the main topic. So I'm going to call that one a win for getting my protein. In fact, I'm right at my target. All right, let's take a look at the news. The news this week, I have four good ones for you here. The first one is entitled, Why Walking is Your Most Powerful Distressing Tool. Now, this article was in the Prevention Online Magazine, which I remember it's been a while. I don't even know if they have a paper magazine anymore. But I remember when I was much younger, reading the Prevention magazine. I'm not sure my grandmother would get those. I think my grandmother actually subscribed to those. So that was, that was probably back in the 70s. Anyway, it says, walk away stress. Nearly all exercise is good for your mental health, but walking seems to have a tension-relieving superpower. And every little bit helps. So this is a fun little article. And I can attest to this, if I am, even back when I was working, if I had a problem on my mind, if I was trying to figure something out, the best thing I could do would be to get outside and go for a walk, and sometimes not even think about the problem. And then somehow, the solution would come to me. And uh, now even, if I ever am feeling, you know, I honestly don't get stressed all that much, but I'm just not at ease or bothered by something. I'll get outside, get my walk in, and I find it really helps, makes me move through an issue, and is very enjoyable. So I can attest to the fact of what this article says. It's a short article, like I said, has some nice pictures in it, but uh, take a look at it. It's in the online prevention magazine. The next article is a fun little article. It's called Four Best Low Sugar Dunkin' Drinks for Diabetes. So I honestly, I don't think I've been in a Dunkin' Donuts for years. Even the last several times I've been in a Dunkin' Donuts, 
I remember we had one on the first floor in my office building where I worked in Arlington, Virginia. And I would go down there and get a box of donuts. Sometimes I would get them for the guards, the security guards. Sometimes I would get them for contractors. But yeah, when was the last time I actually had a Dunkin' Donuts drink or donut? I can't remember. Anyway, it's called the four best low-sugar Dunkin' drinks for diabetes. Maybe you have a Dunkin' Donuts near you. And the first one they go for is a latte. Now, a latte does have a sugar in it, but a small latte, they're saying at Dunkin', has nine grams of sugar. So that's from the milk. There's no way around it. I even checked out lactose-free milk at one point, and that has sugar in it. So it doesn't have lactose, but it has some other kind of sugar. So again, if you're eating this with protein and fat and part of your breakfast or whatever, those nine grams of sugar probably aren't going to hurt you too bad. Now, if you're eating this with a donut, well, anyway, I don't think that's great. The second one is an Americano. Now, what's an Americano? Americano is an espresso coffee that's diluted with water. So basically, you're drinking black coffee. Now, I like espresso. I like it with a touch of heavy cream. And I like it with my Splenda. But they're saying here that basically an espresso or even a watered-down espresso called Americano has no sugar in it whatsoever. And it has maybe 10 calories from the naturally occurring carbohydrates in the coffee itself. So that's a good choice. The third one they mentioned is the unsweetened ice green tea. And, of course, green tea, that has no sugar in it. It has just a minimal amount of carbohydrate in the tea itself, just a, maybe a gram, very, very little carbohydrate in green tea. But there's but there was a study, a 2022 study published in Current Developments in Nutrition that found that the folks who ate green tea extract or drank green tea for 28 days and they claim making no other changes, saw a reduction in blood sugar, an improved gut health, and lowered inflammation. And they say that's due to decreased gut permeability. So they say the green tea is a benefit for folks with a metabolic syndrome. Now, it's not going to cure the world, but hey, every little bit helps. And then the fourth one here, the final one, was unsweetened iced tea with blueberry. Now, that... Uh, that sounds pretty good. They do have, unfortunately, if you get the sweetened teas, they tend to have a lot of sugar. Really not healthy at all. But you can get them unsweetened. And then I guess if you want, you can add some of your own artificial sweeteners or non-nutritive sweeteners. And naturally, they only come unsweetened iced tea with blueberry. A large is only 15 calories. So that sounds like a good choice. So anyway, if you have a Dunkin' Donuts near you or you're driving and you see a Dunkin' Donuts, evidently are some good options you can get there that do not contain a lot of sugar. Now this one article, this next article is also about food. It's called, This is the one spice you should add to your diet if you're insulin resistant. Okay, I like tasteful food. And we're going to be talking about some tasteful food here in a minute during the main topic. But this is talking about turmeric. Now, turmeric is a, I'm going to say, very flavorful spice. I think turmeric, you know, that's been, it's been used in Southeast Asia, they say, for over 4,000 years. And I'm not sure how they know that. 
But uh, they say that some studies have been done showing that turmeric can lower blood sugar. And if you want to find out why, they link to some various studies here. But they say that it can help lower blood sugar. It can help reduce inflammation. They say it can have a positive effect on your blood pressure. So they also list some other spices here to look at. Cinnamon, clove, cumin, fenugreek, ginger, licorice. I like licorice. I don't think they're talking about the candy. I think they're talking about the plant. Marjoram, nutmeg, oregano, and rosemary. They say that those are all spices that have anti-inflammatory effects. So check this out. They're saying here between 500 and 2,000 milligrams a day if you're really taking it for the health benefits. And they recommend some cookbooks here that specialize in recipes with turmeric. So that was in the Parade magazine. That used to be also a paper magazine. Maybe I'm showing my age. I don't get the Sunday paper, so I don't know if it still is or not. Anyway, this last article here, it says patients with blinding headaches could be treated with weight loss jab used for type 2 diabetes. So they're talking about the GLP-1 inhibitors, Ozempic, Wegovy, Manjaro, things like that. But they're saying that they've done a study and that this peptide, this GLP-1, can help significantly, like almost immediately, with people with a type of headache, and it's called idiopathic intracranial hypertension. So this is a high pressure in the brain. It's a rare and debilitating condition, they say, that raises pressure in the brain and can lead to people, it says usually women, I don't know why, to suffering from chronic headaches and even permanent sight loss. So people, because of this pressure in their brain, it's not just a headache. They say you can actually go blind permanently. It impacts your optic nerve, and you can actually become blind because of this condition. But what they found, and I think they stumbled upon it accidentally, but now they're doing studies, but people who are taking these GLP-1 inhibitors like Ozempic, Wegovy, who have this condition saw an almost instantaneous and dramatic drop in this pressure. And that if one of these episodes comes on, that by taking this injection, you can dramatically reduce your chances, permanent blindness from this condition. They say it works immediately in the short term and also has long-term effects. So there's currently no other drugs out there or medications that are available for, and this is miraculous, totally unexpected, totally unrelated to type 2 diabetes. You know, we talk about off-label use of medications. That's what we're talking about when people are using the type 2 diabetes uh, GLP-1 inhibitors for weight loss, even though they're primarily researched and prescribed for type 2 diabetes. So I found that article interesting, another off-label use for these medications, and it sounds like it can help people in a real big way. Okay, so the main topic for today, and I mentioned last week that I'd be talking about this, was my food and movement while cruising. Now, I do spend a large amount of time, what is large, who knows, but I do enjoy cruising. So I do spend some time cruising, and I can't treat it as a vacation, because sometimes if you're on a vacation for three or four days, and maybe your next vacation isn't for six or eight months, 
you can, like they say, go hog wild for those three days, and it honestly would not have a major effect over your long-term health. But if you're doing something frequently, I don't call that a vacation anymore. I do say I'm traveling, but I have to maintain and conduct my normal life while I'm on a cruise ship. So what that means when I have things I'm dealing with my type 2 diabetes is that my food and my movement has to continue in a way that's helpful to me while I'm cruising. So let's talk about it. What do I eat on a cruise ship? There is everywhere. There's never a shortage of food. I think on this cruise ship, they don't have 24-hour food available, but I'm going to call it 20-hour food available. I think between the hours of 1 a.m. and 6 a.m., there's nowhere to get food. 19, 20 hours a day, you can find food just available for the taking on this cruise ship. So, if I partook in that, I would find myself in a situation I think that I didn't like. So what do I do? In the morning, always have my cappuccino. I like coffee. And up in the diamond lounge where I go, they have an espresso machine. There you can use it yourself. It's included with your diamond level loyalty benefits. And I usually have a cappuccino made by this machine. And then I add a shot of espresso. And then do one of two things. If I feel like eating, if I'm hungry, which honestly hasn't happened lately, I'll go to the breakfast buffet and I'll have eggs and bacon, something like that, along with my cappuccino. What I've been doing lately is just having a protein shake. So I have my cappuccino and then also sometime before lunch, I'll have a protein shake. And it's almost lunchtime now and I just finished my protein shake here about an hour ago. So that's my breakfast. For lunch, I generally like to go to the buffet, and I am a buffet person at heart, I think, because especially when I'm cruising by myself, I like to get in and get out, and I spend maybe 20 minutes eating, and when I'm with my wife, we will go to the buffet for breakfast and lunch, but then for dinner, we do go to the main dining room. But when I'm by myself, I pretty much stick with the buffet, because the main dining room can easily take for an hour and a half to get through a meal. And when I'm by myself, I just don't want to invest that much time sitting there and waiting for the next course to come out. So like today, when I go grab lunch, it'll probably be a small chef salad from the buffet. And then I will also add in a protein shake. And that's about as much as I can eat. The salad will have greens, of course, usually some spinach, some romaine. And then I'll, if they have chickpeas, I like to put on chickpeas. I think people call them garbanzo beans. And then some kind of meat. They'll either have chopped up ham or tuna, or they'll have maybe diced eggs. I'll put that on, put some seeds. I like some sunflower seeds. If they have those, put those on. And then I'll finish it off with some blue cheese dressing. And that's usually my lunch. Now for dinner, it depends again. If I'm eating in the main dining room with my wife, I'll get a small appetizer, usually the soup. And then my entree, I'll have a meat and veg. If it has mashed potatoes or something like that, I'll either have some of that or not. Usually not. And that's my meal. I don't get a dessert when I'm in the main dining room. I haven't gotten a dessert in the main dining room for ages. And especially now, just not hungry at all for that. 
And once in a while, I have a dinner roll with my dinner in the main dining room. Most often not, maybe 50-50. When I'm by myself, I'm back to the buffet. I do like the buffet. And I'll either get a little bit of meat they have there, some vegetable they have there, or sometimes a burger. Sometimes I like a burger at the buffet. So that's dinner. Now, my snack, and if I'm trying to get in my protein, I'll either have one of those uh, Quest, now they're the lemon cake protein bars, those are my favorites, or the Quest peanut butter cups. So I'll have one of those uh, usually before bed in the evening. It is easier now with the Manjaro to not overeat on a cruise ship. But honestly, I keep myself busy. We have various activities. Uh, sometimes if we're in a port, I'm out walking. Or if we're on the cruise ship, if I'm with my wife, sometimes we'll go to trivia. Or we'll sit up in the solarium, hang out there. But we try to be busy with activities. And so I'm really not thinking about eating all the time. For movement, like I said earlier, it's a lot of stairs. Just unintentionally stairs. Sometimes the elevators are maybe a little crowded or a little slow, or sometimes they're not working. But sometimes it's just a lot easier to take the stairs. So if I'm going down one, two, three flights of stairs, I don't even think about it. I go right down the stairs. I don't even think about the elevator. And if I'm going up one or two flights, I never take the elevator. Usually never. But even sometimes if I'm going up more, three flights, usually the stairs. Now, if it starts getting four more flights, then yes, sometimes I'll wait for an elevator, but not always. And then walks. On these ships that I cruise with Royal Caribbean, they usually have a walking, jogging track up in the very, very top deck, but that's usually in the full wind if we're sailing or the full sun regardless, and sometimes I don't want that. So where I most often walk on the cruise ship is on the deck that goes around lower, maybe around deck five. And that is fully in the shade, 90% in the shade. And on some ships, it does not go the whole way around. So I make a very long U. Sometimes in the bow of the ship, you can fully go around. Other times you can. But on the ship I'm on right now, Enchantment of the Seas, I can walk about 90% away around the ship, but I can't connect. So it's back and forth. But that one deck is three-tenths of a mile. When I walk that 90% away around and then walk all the way back to where I started, that's three-tenths of a mile. So it's 10 loops for three miles. And that's what I've been doing lately. And like I said before, if I am in port and it's nice outside, I will get out and just walk in the local town. I've never found a place where I couldn't walk, feel safe, and enjoy the local. They usually have shops and they usually have various things. Now, I don't take a lot of time in the shops. I walk by them. A lot of things to see. When the weather is bad, I sometimes have been known to walk stairs and interior hallways. So I'll walk down the length of an interior hallway, sometimes down in the cabin area, sometimes up in the public areas. And then I'll go up one or two flights of stairs and down one or two flights of stairs and then back down the other hallway. Keep doing that. And I'll spend an hour doing that, usually cover just about three miles either way. And that way I can stay out of bad weather if we have maybe a very windy day while sailing or rain, something like that. And I also found that if the ship is rocking, I can go down on deck two. It's as far down as passengers are allowed to go. And it's much more stable 
way down there. Sometimes I still have to hold on to a railing. I can still get my walk in. It's rare that it's been so rough that I didn't feel like walking. They do have a fully equipped gym, and they even offer classes. As I think you know, it's very rare for me to go there. I don't know. I just like my walking. But if I ever change my mind, and I have done it before, I have used the rower in the various uh, cruise ship gyms. I've lifted some weights in the various cruise ship gyms, but not recently, and that's okay. So that's my food and movement while cruising. Okay, time for your questions. It's question time. We didn't actually get any questions this week. I did get some comments and whatnot on social media, but no real questions. So if you would like to send in a question, which I would very much appreciate, I like hearing from you, there's two ways. The first way is simply send me an email, tom at solvingtype2diabetes.com. And that's just standard email. Send it to me. I'll get it. And I'll thank you for it, and hopefully I can answer your question. The other way is to hop on over to the SolvingType2Diabetes.com website, and you can click on Feedback, fill out the little form, and send it to me that way. Either way is great. Either way, I'd appreciate hearing from you. you know, if it's feedback on the podcast, something you like, something you don't like, or something you would like to know some more information about, I'd be happy to help any way I can. Also, like I asked at the beginning of the podcast, please remember to share this with someone who you think might benefit. Okay, what's next? On Instagram, put my request out for topics that folks might like to hear about. And if you didn't know that I have Instagram, you can find my links for Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all those links are over on the website, solvingtype2diabetes.com. You can click on the little Instagram icon, and it'll take you right to the Instagram account, and you can feel free to subscribe so you see all my Instagram posts. So Katie responded. Katie sent a comment here on my one of my Instagram posts, and I said, well, what's a topic you'd like to hear about in an upcoming episode? So she wrote in, she says, my favorite segment is the news. Also, I want to hear more about why you chose your meds, spacing out Manjaro, etc. How do you deal with mental pressure around high temptation foods? Katie, thanks for giving me that comment on my Instagram post. So tell you what, I'm going to make that my next topic. I will talk about my medications, why I chose them, why I'm spacing out Manjaro, and how I deal with mental pressure around high-temptation foods. Thanks, Katie. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast. I hope you found it valuable. Please follow and leave a five-star review as it helps other people find the podcast. By subscribing, you ensure you won't miss the next episode. You can always get a full transcript of the episode at SolvingType2Diabetes.com. There you will also find the links to leave feedback and links to follow on social media. I'm very interested in hearing from you with comments and suggestions. Thanks very much for listening. Please remember that everything I share is just from my own personal experience and should not be taken as medical or health advice. Please consult your own medical professionals. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only.